0: My name is Joe Hawkins, and this is the History of the Mormon Church in 50 Objects podcast. Hello again, and welcome to the History of the Mormon Church in 50 Objects, Episode 3, Urim and Thummim. Now, just to recap, again, we're still in the golden years of Mormon objects, only we've narrowed our scope a bit to the years 1827 to 1830. As such, there is still no Mormon church, though throughout this process of translating, it becomes clear to Joseph Smith that a church is to be established and people are to be baptized. Now, a bit more context on the world at this time. If you'll remember, Joseph Smith receives the gold plates in September of 1827. On the 4th of July, 1826, two U.S. giants died on the same day. Thomas Jefferson and John Adams died hours apart from each other. And just a short period of time after that, in Vienna, Austria, Beethoven actually died at the age of 56. However, most importantly for the future of the Mormon Church, in 1829, Mexico would begin to resist President Andrew Jackson and the purchase of Texas, which will eventually lead to war. In a future episode, we'll discuss how, 20 years from now, in 1846, the only religiously based unit in U.S. military history, the Mormon Battalion, will be called upon to serve and fight in the Mexican-American War. Those future Mormons will make a grueling march of nearly 2,000 miles from Iowa to San Diego, California to serve their country. So, back to the story of the Urim and Thummim. At first mention, it sounds like such an odd name. Try saying that 10 times fast, Urim and Thummim, Urim and Thummim, Urim and Thummim. It just sounds really strange. If you'll remember, the name Urim and Thummim was first mentioned to 17-year-old Joseph Smith as one of the objects the angel Moroni told him about that was concealed with the gold plates. Now, real quick, I have to say, when I first heard the name Urim and Thummim in Mormon history, I thought Joseph Smith and or the angel Moroni are sure creative with their naming of objects. However, it would appear that if the Urim and Thummim were named by Joseph, he would be quite the Jewish and Old Testament scholar. Now, before digging into their role in Mormon history, let's talk a bit about their background. The name Urim and Thummim, translated from Hebrew, is light and perfection. In Latin, it's more closely translated to light and truth. The Latin equivalent is lux et veritas, and I'm sure I just murdered that pronunciation. If you're a student of the University of Montana or Indiana University, you'll recognize that phrase, Lux et Veritas, as the motto of your university. Even more to the point, if you've seen the coat of arms for Yale University, and if you're close to a web browser, you should Google this, their coat of arms actually says Lux et Veritas, Light and Truth, below an open book with the words Yerm and Thummim written in Hebrew across the book's pages it's right there on their coat of arms. So why then is the coat of arms for one of the top educational universities in the world emblazoned with Urim and Thummim? To answer that, we have to understand the Urim and Thummim's role in ancient biblical history. The phrase Urim and Thummim first pops up in the Exodus story as part of the vestments that Moses is commanded to dress those acting in the priesthood. It says, And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart. Aaron wore his Urim and Thummim to bear the judgment of the Lord. He needed that light and truth. Later in the Old Testament, they pop up a few more times, again as instruments that assisted in translating God's will to the people. Both in Nehemiah and Ezra, it mentions that when Jewish exiles, while returning from Babylon, came upon a disagreement they couldn't resolve, they would wait for it to be settled by a priest with the Urim and Thummim. So with that biblical context in place, it might better serve our purposes to say that the angel Moroni was delivering instruments to Joseph Smith that bring light and truth to the world. So, to Joseph Smith's Urim and Thummim. Again, the angel Moroni delivered the Urim and Thummim with the gold plates. However, unlike the gold plates, others were allowed to look upon the Urim and Thummim. So we have a pretty accurate idea as to what they looked like. According to Joseph, they were two transparent stones, but I think I like Lucy, Joseph's mother's description the best. She described them as two smooth three-cornered diamonds. So, how did Joseph use the Urim and Thummim? Well, you'll remember he only had them for just under three years. The physical method for using the Urim and Thummim was as Joseph sometimes described them as spectacles. In the box Moroni guided Joseph to find there was the golden plates, the Urim and Thummim, and a breastplate that, when worn against the chest, had a silver bow connected to it that extended in front of one's face. So Joseph would then place the two clear stones, the Urim and Thummim, in the bow, and they'd be like glasses that when he looked through, he could translate the gold plates. Now, there are also a few sources that state that he occasionally put the Urim and Thummim in a hat, just like the seer stone, to help him block out the light as he was looking into the stones to receive revelation. Joseph didn't just use the Urim and Thummim to translate the gold plates, however. Uh, The story goes that sometime after Oliver started working as scribe for Joseph, they were discussing the fate of the Apostle John, a topic that was apparently quite interesting to many people at that time. Joseph said they had different opinions, and so they mutually agreed to settle it by the Urim and Thummim. The answer came in a vision Um, a parchment that Joseph translated, which is now found in the Mormon Church's Doctrine and Covenants, Section 7. So they didn't just use the Urim and Thummim to translate the gold plates. It also answered pressing gospel questions. Could anyone else use the Urim and Thummim? The short answer is it didn't work for anyone else. Oliver Cowdery, wanting to play a larger role in the translation work, uh, petitioned Joseph to ask the Lord if he could also translate. Joseph was open to Oliver trying this out, but we don't have many details on exactly what transpired, but we do know that it never really worked out for Oliver. He couldn't get the Urim and Thummim to work. Apparently Joseph was the only one who was able to work the Urim and Thummim. Discouraged though Oliver was, he continued to scribe and they finished translating the gold plates. So, with the translation of the gold plates finished and the Book of Mormon ready to be printed, what happened to the Urim and Thummim? Joseph said at that point he then gave the Urim and Thummim along with the gold plates back to the angel Moroni. Joseph Smith goes on record as saying that he no longer needed a seer stone. He no longer needed the Urim and Thummim. He could understand and receive revelation and translate directly the will of the Lord. So, what of the Urim and Thummim? What of this object of light and truth the angel Moroni brought to the world? I found this quote from a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles for the Mormon Church. Richard G. Scott says, What does the Book of Mormon mean to you? Has it been a source of inspiration and power in your life? Will it continue to be? If you have not yet drunk deeply from this fountain of pure truth, with all my soul I encourage you to do so now. Don't let the consistent study of the Book of Mormon be one of the things that you intend to do but never quite accomplish. Begin today. He then says, I bear witness that it can become a personal Urim and Thummim in your life. So just as the Yale Coat of Arms contains a book with the Urim and Thummim in Hebrew, the Book of Mormon has become for the Mormon Church and its fledgling baptized members light and truth, a Urim and Thummim for them. So that's all for today. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Again, if you have feedback, questions, or comments, you can reach me directly at Joe, H O M C, History of Mormon Church at gmail.com.